TSA guidelines now prohibit white man scalps on airplanes. Oh, uh, nobody in this room's traveling anytime soon, <laughs> except for Bronner. Rogers could get on like a Southwest jet. <laughs> <laughs> What was the name of your character in that movie, Do- Do- Doughboy? It's what? Domasteer. Domaster. Domaster. <laughs> Not Domaster. Domasteer. Sorry, Doughboy. <laughs> ah, wise guy, huh? Welcome back to the Wildcast EM Podcast. Woo! Woo. We're recording in beautiful Lexington, Kentucky. And Will... How you doing, my friend? Oh, Bob, it's so great to be back with you on the Wildcast podcast. It's we've had plenty of wee wees, but now we get to, and you've had a mini, and now we get to do a full meal deal. Episode this is again. actually this podcast, in um, contrast to other ones we've done, is actually going to have some stuff in it. Right. Well, a hopefully, yeah, yeah. We have some special guests today on the we podcast. Do, the, the specialist of special guests. You want to you introduce them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll introduce the gentleman to my left, and then you introduce oh, the gentleman to your right. Oh, that's a great idea. You, you think? Let's do it. Uh, up first is uh, a man that really needs no introduction. Uh, but you're going to introduce him. Dr. Ryan F. Smith. Ryan Smith, welcome to the show. C- close. It's a T. That's fine. How are you guys doing? Great. Where great. Thanks get, for get, being here. Where'd you get F, by the way? Uh, I, I just, I just made it what's up. What's F stand for? Don't worry about it, Frank. He's one of our, our our senior residents, and really one of our, one of the greatest residents I've ever worked with. Best of the best of our, our our senior residents. He's leaving us soon. We we threw everything at him to try to get him to stay. He was he's an Ohio guy through and through, but he's here with us today. Welcome, Ryan. Go Bucks. Next up, we've got Walt Lubbers, another great faculty member from the University of Kentucky. Walt, welcome to the Wildcast EM podcast. This is your first one. It is. Thanks, Rob. We're happy to be here. To happy to be here. Yeah. Now let's do the bourbon of the month. Well, since none of the four of us really know that much about bourbon other than what we're drinking. Speak for yourself. This is classic Kentucky bourbon. This is this is Woodford Reserve. Have you been to Woodford Reserve, Bob? I have been to Woodford Reserve with you, actually. Are you sure? Yes. You were there? Yes. Oh. So this is uh, Woodford Reserve bourbon. It's fantastic. That's about the extent of my knowledge of bourbon. Yeah, yeah me too. So we just drink it now, right? Yeah, any, All right, any bourbon we can get our hands on. So as, as you know, we do a bourbon of the month, and we take a little uh, sip of bourbon here as we get started. So gentlemen, welcome to the Wildcast EM Podcast. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Cheers. All right, just, just, just a sip, right? We don't... Just a sip, just for a minute. All right. That's, uh, that's smooth. What you think, Rob? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's got to be something wrong with me. I have a Schottsky ring or something's wrong. I, <laughs> a what? I have something wrong with my esophagus or my pharyngeal mucus. Something. I cannot. Is it burning? It's burning. It's burning. I actually know the speed of my, my peristalsis right now. right now because can you guys feel that where it's up at the top and then you start feeling it slowly move? That's actually a great way to figure out how well somebody's peristalsing. Has anybody done that? It sounds like a project in the works. Uh, it All sounds right. like another right. uh, episode we need to work on. All right. So anyway, so yeah, Bob, why don't you tell it? Why don't you tell us why we have these these wonderful gentlemen here today? So we have uh, these two really smart doctors with us today to talk about a topic we've been talking about recently. Um, we're going to do sort of a pro con. Well, sort of. Uh, Ryan's going to take one side. Walt's going to take the other. 
So, the, and, so these uh, guys disagree on something here. They disagree on something. Oh, I love conflict. Oh, it's good. And this is a really, really important conflict that faces anybody in emergency medicine is going to know exactly what we're talking about. Well, you know, you know, uh, one of the perfect people to have here is a, is a pre-hospital guy for this topic. So why don't we uh, get him to introduce what, what the general idea is? Okay. Well, why don't you take us through what we're going to talk about? And then uh, maybe just for like a minute or two, we can talk about the scope of this problem. Go ahead. Cool. Um, yeah. So what I wanted to talk about was naloxone and giving naloxone to people to use at home. Um, so the, the way that I kind of came up with this was uh, I thought this was going to be a pretty well-accepted project when we started doing a take-home naloxone program at UK. And then as I kind of talked to people, only about 50% of people not only were like not opposed to it, but did not vehemently fight it. And uh, as, as I understand it, Dr. Smith is one of those that uh, would like to vehemently fight me on this. Um, so that's why I thought it would be a, kind of an interesting, interesting thing to talk about. Hmm. So let me just – before Ryan, before you give your side and, and we get into this debate, um, let's say there's a 30-year-old guy comes in, overdose. Pretty common scenario, right? So you get a call, 30-year-old male coming in, overdose. You got Narcan in the field. He wakes up. He's belligerent. He's just chronically a butthole, and, and but he's not suicidal, and he could probably just leave. Um, in fact, he wants to leave, and everybody wants him to leave, and somebody comes to you, Ryan, and says, hey, you know, we should prescribe this guy a Narcan kit. What, take, take me through, like, what that means to you, and, and should we be doing this? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, a little side story. Bef before you do give anyone Narcan or they get Narcan in the field and come in belligerent, check them for weapons. Uh, <laughs> this sounds like a man speaking from experience. Yeah, we, we had a patient a couple weeks ago that before. was – apneic and cyanotic and got narcan when he came in woke up thankfully was uh fairly with it but about half an hour later found out that he had a gun on himself so definitely could have been a sticky oh, situation fantastic hmm. i so didn't actually just think... for all the listeners now, out you there won't that's find uh, that pearl in a textbook that that for save weapons your life. before you give narcan that right. could save your life right because i always think of uh well you know they say well one of the I don't know if you guys have encountered this, and we'll get it. We'll get into this. But some, uh, one of my uh, former, actually my former program director uh, at Wisconsin, he uh, loves nebulized uh, Narcan because he, you can titrate it, uh, so that if they start to get pretty agitated, you can kind of pull it off and quickly uh, kind of send them back to where they came from. Uh, we we I don't think we do that here. But, I don't know uh, if we have that here. Do we? No, uh, we we don't officially do. It. We could do it. You you basically just take the Narcan and put it in a uh, in a neb chamber and uh, turn it on. And the guys in Chicago do it all the time. They they love it. They think it works great. This is EMS doing it uh, for the reason that you talked about. You get them, you slap that non breather on them, you let them sit for a little bit, and then they just kind of oh wake up a little bit, but they don't like wake up, wake up. So you transport them in a mostly comatose but breathing state to the hospital, which is really where you want people. Well, the the, the big issue I have, is, and I want you guys to just go at this like like two gladiators. Well, there's really. there's a motion. Let's start with the motion. Okay, do you know how these uh, these uh, Oxford style debates go, Bob? No, but I'm sure you're going to tell I'm us. I'm going to tell nauseum. you. Yeah. So, are you done? I'm done. All right. So, what we're going to do? There's a motion uh, that we're going to put forth, and the motion is: anyone at risk for opiate overdose should be sent home with a Narcan kit. Well, that's every patient, is it not? Be quiet, Bob. Uh, f for the motion, we have uh, Doctor Doctor Walter Lubbers, uh, and uh, against the motion. We have Dr. Ryan Smith. So we have a premise. We have a premise. We've got a motion. We've got a for. We've got an against. 
Yes. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to put you guys on the spot. We're going to start uh, with uh, age over beauty. We're going to start with uh, Dr. Walt Lubbers. Uh, Dr. Lubbers, we will give you a, a one-minute uh, time slot, for you to, and there will be a ding when you're done. You can present your case on the spot as to why we should send these patients home with Narcan kits. Are you ready, Dr. Lubbers? Yes. Dr. Lubbers, your time begins now. So opiate overdose is a big problem, and there's no getting around that. It's not a problem that we've been able to fix. Like we've had uh, the ability to treat patients for opiate overdose for 10, 20, 30 years. We have it on every ALS ambulance. We have it on a number of sheriff's cars. We have it for medical first responders. We got it floating around every place within the controlled setting of, of uh, the healthcare system. But the problem is that doesn't get it to people because if you look, uh, hopefully somebody's got the graph of the CDC's most recent data, 2014. The the line that shows opiate overdose and deaths as a result of them just keeps going up, 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 up. And even when you knock off the pills, then the heroin kind of goes up after that uh, and just one takes over the other. So we've not been able to do anything so far to prevent uh, people from dying. We haven't been able to do any kind of abatement strategies. The war on drugs is a complete failure. Let me think of DARE and then look at what a horrible <clears throat> failure DARE is and the number of people we've seen overdose wearing a DARE t-shirt. 30 seconds remaining. So it's a long 30 seconds. So clearly, clearly the healthcare system has not been able to affect the, the problem to the extent that we want. The way to fix that is to make it available to the person at the scene. We talk about cardiac arrest, and the most, the best thing you can do for somebody in cardiac arrest is do chest compressions and defibrillation, and all that is stuff that has to happen on the scene. We have to approach opiate overdose the same way and make it available to the people, put it in the hands of the people that are using Dr. it. Dr. Lubbers, I'm sorry your time is up. Uh, you need to plan uh, better. Uh, you, 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 uh, unfortunately, you'll, you'll have time to respond later. With a, uh, with a rebuttal. With a rebuttal. To the rebuttal. Uh, to the rebuttal. Uh, but uh, that, that was very well put, Dr. Lubbers. Uh, Important points, Bob. Yeah, you know, here's a little interesting tidbit for you. We're yeah. all about little take-home pearls. 78 Americans die every day from an opioid overdose. Man, that, that makes – I mean, I, I felt pretty convinced. people. Yeah. And between 2000 and 2014, nearly half a million people died. Wow. Half a million people died. Dr. Smith, he's got a pretty uh, – He's hefty, got an argument. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. going to – Yeah, well, uh, big hill to climb. Yeah. Dr. Smith, uh, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Dr. Smith, your time begins now. So I'm a huge uh, personal responsibility guy. So essentially the scenario that we're describing is a patient uh, overdoses on opiate or heroin is essentially dead for all intents and purposes and is uh, resuscitated by either EMS first responder with Narcan and brought into the emergency department. That person knows that they – should have died or could have died and we are essentially sending these patients home with narcan kits saying it's okay if it happens again you'll have narcan you don't need to take any personal responsibility for your action um and i think it's like giving an infant in a bathtub floaties instead of emptying the bathtub or pulling the infant out of the bathtub i think that's kind of the analogy we're looking at um if the person isn't going to change their uh, personal practice and stop using opiates uh, at home after a life changing experience like they had one that came into the hospital, then they're not, not going to uh, change. You're out of time. You need to plan a little bit better next time as well, Dr. Smith. But I will say you get bonus points for talking about the baby and the, and the floaties. Well done. 
Yeah, if you talk about babies in a bathtub, you always get bonus points on Wildcast. I don't Indeed. really know what that means, but it means something. It sounded <laughs> profound as all get out. This yeah. is a great. This is a great topic. I, 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 I like I the bathtub even... thing. I like yeah, that, I really um, like it. I mean, I mean it... well, you guys, you worked when someone bathtubs? mentions not bathtubs. Oh. someone's mentioned, hey, you know, this guy who's uh, throwing feces around and kind of nasty. Um, we should get this guy an arcane kit to save his life when he leaves. Yeah. So l- let me let me tell you where I, I sort of uh, uh, fell on this topic. I, I, I wasn't quite as uh, uh, jacked up before. I'm getting jacked up now, though. I mean, these guys really, really. Kind oh, of, I'm pretty pumped up. I'm now. pumped. Are you yeah, pumped? I'm pumped. Um, I, I, t- I my my initial instinct was was kind of what Walt has been talking about here, and and I don't see why why not to send them home. But I mean, Doctor Smith, he, he comes in and and drops the baby reference and the infant and the and the and the. I mean, I'm I'm beginning to see two sides to the story. Personal yeah. responsibility. Who's gonna Who's gonna deny personal responsibility as being something important? I, I love it. Yeah, both of them gave great arguments for why they think they should do what we. Yeah, yeah. How do you? Feel, how did you feel about this coming in? Uh, well, I I, I, usually, I generally take it on a case by case basis. I've certainly run. That's, I talked that's about a total it. hedge. Well, that's the radiologist's favorite plant, it's and a I'm politician take it. answer. Yeah, I mean you have to. I think it, the question is should everybody get it? But who's everybody? I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed. It seems like every single patient, whether it's a subdural, a femur fracture, a subungual hematoma, an ingrown toenail, or a splinter, everybody's on opioids for something. It's insane, right? I'll get these scripts put in my face to sign during shifts, and I'm like, what does this person have? Oh, they, they have a little um, paper cut you know, from school or whatever, and why do they need Norco? Why do they need opioids? First of all, too many people are on opioids. So if if you're making the argument everyone needs Narcan kits, then that's we should just discharge every single patient in the ED uh, with 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 Narcan kits. I you're correct. Yeah, that's and right. that's that's the argument, is anybody who's on it is at risk for it. Uh, but, you know, right. you've heard these stories in the news, these horrible stories of normal people dying. And I think we... we we make a judgment, and, and I think we make a judgment because we work in the emergency department around sometimes disgusting, filthy, wow. belligerent. No, people who treat us like crap, and, and that's what we, we are, the safety net of the world in the emergency department. And we, I think, sometimes put our judgment into the mix and make a judgment that this person probably should have died anyway. And, and I think that, that's, that's, that's a slippery slope, and, and I think once you make that, that mental – once that switch comes on – you know, I think that lessens who you are as a physician. That's my opinion. But That's but great. again, I can be talked in. I mean, it's it's not a black and white thing. It's very well, great. I'm, I'm going to come away from this today on one side. I eventually that that's I am going to pick sides by the time we're done. My you tell you what? Why don't you prepare a question for uh, Lube Man as he's known, and I will uh, ask Doctor Smith a question regarding uh, uh, one of his positions. Okay. Okay. You to prepare it now. In your mind, it takes. I can you a do it bit. now. No, 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 I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm ready. I'm going to go first. Oh, that's convenient. this is my show. Okay. Yeah. All right. You keep thinking that, buddy. All right, uh, Doctor Smith, uh, you mentioned that personal responsibility is a is a is a. You said you're a personal responsibility guy. A lot of people would consider opiate addiction to be a disease, and a condition that we care for like any other condition in the emergency department. Maybe these people can't, quote unquote, take full personal responsibility when we've been the ones prescribing them narcs all along. We've been the ones that have gotten them hooked on these uh, medications as physicians. How do you respond to that? That's a really good question. And one that's probably pretty difficult to answer. Um, You know, a lot of these people have seen 
friends, family, um, other acquaintance die of opiate overdose. It's hard for me to believe that they don't know the risks involved uh, in uh, doing IV heroin, especially after they have an experience that brings them to the emergency department where somebody has saved their life. Now, I'm not going to argue against the fact that drug addiction is a disease because it, it certainly is. The question is, are we stomping out that disease or are we essentially abetting these people um, and sending them home with another adjunct to continue using heroin. Now, is there any, uh, do either of you know of any literature that, that says that if we send these patients home with Narcan kits that they're more likely to use? I, I think Walt's probably pretty familiar with that. Uh, so I'll let him answer, but I think that there's really no evidence that it does increase use. Yeah, my, my stack is about eight inches tall. <laughs> Pardon me? That's a stack of literature Got that it. Propotes, uh, proposes that this is, uh, that that's the idea that uh, increased uh, heroin use or increased opiate use really is, is what you're looking at, that that, that providing take-home naloxone kits actually does that. Um, <clears throat> so some of the early studies on it looking were like programs in San Francisco were one of the first ones. Uh, there's a program in Chicago, the program in Baltimore. And everybody has basically universally seen that if you give people – uh, if you give people the tool and if you give them the, a little bit of education to go along with it, that even if you are not decreasing the number of deaths, like the number of uses of those kits, the drug use itself falls by about 25%. So hmm. people that get trained on it actually use fewer drugs uh, than they would have, or presumably than they would have otherwise, than they were using before. before they had, is there any job. hypothesis as to why? Yeah, why is be? that? Uh, just edu basic education and the part of people say, of course, this is hippy-dippy social science kind of stuff. Um, but one of the big things about it is, you know, you're, you're showing that people's lives have value and you're showing them that you care about them and people that are interested enough to take the kit and interested enough to listen to you for five minutes about how this stuff is bad actually uh, are interested in making a change. Um, but, I mean, addiction, yeah, you talked about addiction being a, a bad disease. It's not just like, oh, I just, he's just got a little heroin addiction. It's like pneumonia he'll get over in a couple of days. I mean, it's like having, it's like having an itch, like in the, the very center of your back. And as try as you might, you're never going to scratch it. You're never going to get rid of it. Think of the worst worst itch you've ever had, like getting one of those hairs like kind of stuck way down there and you can't, where, you can't scratch where, it. Where, where, yeah, this is an audio show. Thank God. Where are you pointing on your body, Dr. Lars? I'm pointing to the exact center of my back, where I, right between my shoulder blades, where I can't get to it. Right. And I got it. God I know help it. me. I'm trying. They need that heroin back scratcher. Yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> But it's not it's not just like, oh, this is just just a little thing he'll get over it. This is something that they're gonna have for the rest and of their life. And it kills people. Yeah. Right. I mean it drives people you you look at it, it doesn't make any sense at all to do heroin. Like so, you look at who you buy heroin from and then you gotta heat it up and you make this brown like gunk that you then pull up into a dirty needle and inject into a vein in your arm. Mm. Nobody thinks that's a good idea. And but yet but yet it's killing more people than car wrecks are. So yeah. did you say Baltimore has a drug problem? Did you mention Baltimore <laughs> in those stats? Uh, I did. I was not aware of that. Anyway, hmm. that's fascinating. Uh, so I have a quick question for you, Walt. Uh, clearly we have an opioid problem in the United States. We prescribe too much. Patients take too much. What is it? And we talk about it all the time. This, the Narcan debates, I think, interesting because um, it sparks, I think, a, a deeper conversation into the disease of of drug addiction. But as as physicians, you know, we're practicing now. 
Um, you've noticed, and you guys have all probably noticed, that, that the government has now stepped in, and they, they generally screw things up when they step in. But now Obama, who's only got, you know, whatever, so many months left, he's now – granted, he should work on other things too, but he's he's decided that this is his mission his last year. Do you really want to go down this rat hole, Bob? I was just coming back to it, but thanks for all interrupting right, me for fine. going down all it. All right. <laughs> so my question is what can we expect as emergency providers or really anybody in medicine who prescribes opioids? What can we expect from the government as far as regulate, I mean, are they going to take away our ability to prescribe opioids? Is that something that's potentially – because we did so poorly with the pain score – that they mandated we do pain scores, and we did so poorly with treating pain that someone took over and made this crappy uh, instrument for us. So what can we expect from the government and other agencies? Uh, how is that going to affect us? Is there anything to look out for? Um, so I think at least in Kentucky, you, with the Casper law, you've sort of seen the biggest the biggest what, change that they're going to make. Can you clarify that with the Casper law, what, what that is? Absolutely. So in Kentucky, there's a database called Casper, K-A-S-P-E-R, that's basically a, a database for who's gotten controlled substance prescription. Um, and so that law went to effect that everybody that gets a, essentially a prescription for a controlled substance in 2012 has to check the, you have to check the database and uh, look at all the other prescriptions that they've got. So that's mandated out there. Um, I don't think that you're going to see any kind of other uh, rationing of prescriptions or anything like that. Because if you look at countries that do actually keep track of their people a lot more, take for instance, the UK or most of Europe, uh, even then prescriptions themselves are still the domain of the doctor. Uh, everybody pretty much says, well, you should watch out for this and this and this, and you have to report this and this. But it's going to be really hard for a government to actually uh, mandate who can prescribe what and to say, no, you can't prescribe this without making it an FDA, you know, like putting a black box warning on something. So it's either there or it's not there. I, I think the honestly what we're probably going to see as much as anything, uh, at least – and this is kind of the reason we developed this program at, at UK was Kentucky basically came to us and said, you know what? We don't know what to do. Nothing's working. Um, we got to try something. And the something else was to give people naloxone to use at home. Right. Um, it wasn't to to change the way that people prescribe stuff as much as we can kind of uh, encourage people to do so. It was, well, nothing has worked so far. Let's try this. And I think that's probably the extent uh, that you're going to see in, in other places. Well, we're also going to potentially be involved in lawsuits, right? I mean, people are getting sued for prescribing opioids and someone overdoses, whether it's intentional or not. I mean, how many millions of opioid prescriptions are given out in the U.S. every year? It's, I mean, it, it's, it's, there, there have been successful uh, yeah. cases. I mean, we're, we're going to – I mean, we're putting – every time you – and I tell the residents this, every time you write a prescription for an opioid, you're putting us – you and me, you're putting us at risk for something if it's not really an appropriate Yeah, but I mean, you could say the same thing about the Tylenol in it that you can't – Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Any medication, right. It's kind of interesting. There's actually a regional medical center in New Jersey that I just saw an article out about last week that has uh, essentially stopped giving any opioids in the emergency department as a yeah, hospital policy. Yeah. Um, so treating pain by other adjuncts so patients aren't going home with opioid prescriptions at that hospital period. Yeah, wouldn't you like to be able um, to say, you know, they don't allow us to, uh, to do <laughs> well, that Well, you know, they did, there, uh, there are still some places that are the o opiate-free ED concept, yeah, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Um but, but see, I don't think that's the way to go. It, like it's me, it's me not. The, if you have, if you have a, a femur fracture, uh, I think you're going to want some opioids yeah, uh, for that. There, ribs, yeah. there are medical conditions. So what if they come in by ambulance? You can send them home with uh, opioids? No, I think – so I think <laughs> – that, I don't uh, know. There might be something to that. Have you seen the patients that. that come in by ambulance? That's true. Wait, 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 wait. That's true. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. 
Uh, but uh, so, so pain is, I mean, pain is a subjective thing and everybody handles it differently. And that's true. And most of us don't need a lot of opiates, uh, to take care of most things. But for the first five days or so after you bust your ankle or even after you have a really bad sprain, you know, maybe a little, uh, hydrocodone is, is in order. Um, and that's okay. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Does everybody no, agree with that by the way? So, uh, we have, we have the receptors, we've got the tools to make those receptors, not, uh, to make everybody feel better. We should we should take advantage of that if it's indicated. If the person is in bad pain and they say I it's ibuprofen's not doing it, Tylenol's not doing it. Let let's just let's just take a quick poll of a, of the group. Uh, right now, you have somebody come in with a, a pretty bad ankle sprain. Okay, um, do you send them home? And let's you know obviously there are new there's nuance here, but let's just try to make it simple. They've got a really bad ankle sprain. They're mildly tachycardic because of their pain. You assume, and you're about to send them home. Do you prescribe opioids in general to these patients? And if so, how many do you give them, Bob? Yeah, I think, yeah, I do. I don't prescribe a ton of them. I, I certainly give them enough if I think it's, you know. Give me a number, Bob. There is no number. There is a number. Give Depends me a number. Depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Really? So if I'm in a great mood, I'll prescribe more. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know, 10, 12. I mean, you know, it, dep it depends on the patient when they can get follow-up. It depends on, I mean, this is a minor ankle sprain. I can't get follow-up for three weeks. Can you give me 120? The answer is no. Oh. We're not going to do that. All I mean, right. You give them enough to get them, uh, you know, into the next week to see a, another doctor. We know that is tough All to right, do. So 10 or 12 yeah, for I, you. I think you have to take Walt, it on a case-by-case -case basis. Well, uh, I give them six or eight. Okay. Enough for a couple of days. It's really going to hurt you tomorrow. I understand that. Uh, I don't want you to lay in bed all day just feeling sorry for yourself, though. So why don't you take one of these tomorrow? After that, start taking ibuprofen every six hours. Fair enough, Ryan. So we're talking bad. Really bad ankle sprain. sprain. Okay. I, I've only been practicing for three years, and I've never given an opioid for an ankle sprain before. All right. Yep. So I, I probably – you can count me along with uh, with Dr. Smith on this one. I, I – I feel like a big jerk. You are. I've had a bad ankle sprain, and they hurt. And yeah. guess what? Motrin and Tylenol didn't touch it. So I think is a slippery slope when you say, I'm going to judge what I think needs a narcotic. And granted, if a paper cut Well, you're comes always in, judging what you think absolutely. needs a narcotic. But, but we're assuming, like, why wouldn't you give, an, why would you give an opioid to an ankle sprain, to not to an ankle sprain, but to an ankle fracture? I mean, granted, there's a bone that's broken, but... Let's say they've got this big they've got this big cankle <laughs> full of inflammatory markers. Bone, they bone, hurt. Bone broken, Bob. Bone broken. Why wouldn't you give them an opioid? I would. The one that's got a fracture. No, the one without the fracture. Bone, no, no. bone not broken, Bob. Okay, you're a cruel, you're a cruel doctor. No wonder you don't need Narcan. Get you don't prescribe them. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm one of the people I'm I'm come from as as Walt said the hippy dippy side of things. I, I'm all for giving okay, opiates so, in the let's appropriate. Let's say you have a 50 year old with bad back pain. No. No, nar no narcotics. No. Okay. I mean, this is the, everybody. This, the, the, I mean, there, there's actual studies here to back this up. I don't give narcotics for back pain. There's also studies to back up the fact that you want to interrupt the pain cycle. That they they can't sleep, they can't work, they can't do anything. Yeah, for there, chronic pain, you don't want to give opiates. But yeah, the, for the, for acute pain, there are uh, some frightening studies though also out there that show uh, patients that have opiates for the first time prescribed by a physician. Uh, a certain percentage are addicted within one year. Uh, of opioids, so you have to be extremely careful. Of no, I think your, I, I, the way I look it at is it is about patient selection. I certainly. think every time you put a script out there in the, the the vast pool of opioid prescriptions, you're entering into this this quagmire. So I, I think we should analyze. I think that should be the take home point for some: is does this person really need an opioid? 
do they really need it? If you don't think they do, then that's your decision. But I think it's a it's a clinical judgment. I think the conditions we've talked about. I certainly use opioids, and I don't. I'm pretty conservative. I don't. I don't throw stuff out left and right. Um, it depends on the patient. What do you do if a patient wants opioids, or they're not going to leave the emergency department? Call security. Next question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It de- it depends how how you feel too. Are you at the end of your shift? Are you tired? Do you not feel like arguing with the patient? Mm, that's do a good you point. give them six, eight Norco? Yeah, just um, just to sort of let your shift end uh, quietly. <laughs> Right. Oh, we've all, I think we've all done that. It's it's inevitable, right? I or mean, you could just sign it out to the next shift and let them yeah, deal that's with it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a class that's pretty move. crappy. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap up this. Uh, we've talked about a ton of stuff here. Will, do you want to bring it yeah. home for us? Well, I just I just want to thank uh, uh, both uh, Dr. Lovers and Dr. Smith for coming in and, and, and chatting about this topic. Obviously, we could talk for days. And in fact, and sometimes, sometimes we do. We do. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, but we know your time is valuable. Uh, Bob's not so much. At the end of the day, as much as I agree with Dr. Smith on opiate prescriptions, the lube man has pulled me onto his side, and I will be sending these patients home with Narcan kits. Can Bob, I uh, just to just to seal the deal, uh, the little kiss? On you, the you you already won, can, Walt. Can I make? I've, I've been holding this in the. Entire I might time. change my mind, Walt. He's been holding it holding it in. So be careful. All right, fine. Go ahead. Just go. Let it. Let it go. Let it go. Okay, so Will, you got you got kids, right? You gonna tell them to wear a seatbelt every time? Yes. Fuck seatbelts. Tell them not to use drugs because they're much more likely to die from opiate overdose in Kentucky than they are to die on the road. Jesus, that's, an, that's a real statistic. Man. Any views or opinions presented in the Wildcast DM podcast are solely those of the authors and do not necessarily represent those of the University of Kentucky. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or blog. 